teaches about humanity is not that all of us are as bad as we could be. The Bible teaches that none of us are as good as we should be. That's a big difference. Because oftentimes people say, well, I don't like this problem with humanity. Everybody knows humanity has problems. But when you read it like that, you're like, wow. See, the Bible doesn't say that you are the worst possible version of you. The Bible says the issue is that you're never the perfect version of you. No one really wants to hear how they've messed up. And though you may recognize imperfections in yourself, hearing that others see those too is humbling. Well, regardless of whether you admit it, you're not perfect, far from it. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that you are equal parts beauty and tragedy. You, like everyone else, have been warped by sin. Because of this, you need the perfection of Jesus to stand in your place. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans, chapter 3, as he continues his message, The Foundation of Evangelism. There is the problem with humanity. So the the person and the personality of God, God loves humanity, he's pro-human, but humanity has a problem. And of course, we learn about that problem in Genesis chapter 3, don't we? What happens in Genesis chapter 3, my friends? Adam and Eve eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember the whole story. God placed Adam and Eve in paradise. It was the most beautiful garden that was ever created. And God said, listen, you can eat anything you want except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because if you eat this, you will surely die. Now, it's not like there was only one fruit tree, only one food tree, and God said, well, look, I only gave you one, but you can't eat of that. Ha, ha, ha. Right? God gave them everything they could ever need. He gave them complete liberty and one restriction. Right? But you know what it's like. Don't you, you rebels? It's like, you can do anything you want, but just don't do this thing. And the only thing you want to do is that one thing, right? Everyone's like, you know, I got these three little kids at home, and I love them so much. But I say, listen, yeah, have a bus, but don't do this. And five seconds later, they're all doing that. Now, I know they learned that from their mom. You got to pray for my wife, you know? I'm just kidding. But, but, But I see them do this stuff, and I think to myself, I'm just like that. And everyone I know is. There's something, there's a rebellious streak. The Bible calls that the sin nature. And that's what we received from Adam and Eve when they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of God's good creation broke. Humanity's relationship with God broke. Creation's relationship with itself broke. Everything busted right there. And because all of us are descendants of fallen humanity, we received this sin nature, this rebellious streak that us left up to our own devices, we are going to rebel against God. And that's a problem. So although God's love is radical, God is realistic about who we are. See, there'd be no need for Jesus to come if there was no problems with humanity. And what's amazing is is people realize that humanity has a problem, but nobody wants to hear the Bible's prescription for it, which is we have a sin nature. 
See, the problem is not the sins that we commit. The sins that we commit is the outward manifestation of a broken nature. See, your acts of rebellion, you might be saying, well, listen, you know, Pastor, I'm really just struggling. I'm, you know, smoking, you know, and I'm doing this stuff I shouldn't be doing. I need to stop smoking. Really, the reason you smoke that, the smoking is the symptom of the disease, which is the sin nature. And self-help says we need to clean up the symptoms. The gospel says we need to transform the heart because everybody lives from the heart outward. So the Bible is not shy about saying humanity is deeply loved by the personality of God, but there's a huge problem. And all through the scriptures, we learn about this. I mean, maybe one of the the most famous pearl strings of this is in Romans chapter 3. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, the Apostle Paul does something called pearl stringing, where they take all these scriptures from all these different places and he lines them all up. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. He pulls together a bunch of different scriptures from the Psalms, from Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to verse 18, because he wants to make sure that the church in Rome knows that there is a problem with humanity. And listen to what it says. It says Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I want to stop there. When it says there is none righteous, what does that mean? There is none righteous. You guys are Bible scholars. I love that you guys, you guys are so smart. It just says there's none righteous. And you, what does it mean? It means there's none righteous. And when it says no, not one, what does that mean? No, not one. There's no exceptions to this rule, right? Why? Look what it says in verse 11. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have become altogether unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And then it goes on. Their throat is an open tomb with their tongues They have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now you read that, you're like, wow. It's real negative. See, what the Bible teaches about humanity is not that all of us are as bad as we could be. The Bible teaches that none of us are as good as we should be. That's a big difference. Because oftentimes people say, well, I don't like this problem with humanity. Everybody knows humanity has problems. But when you read it like that, you're like, wow. See, the Bible doesn't say that you are the worst possible version of you. The Bible says the issue is that you're never the perfect version of you. And that's the problem, because God is perfect, and God is all-loving, and we fail in so many ways. You can read other places like Ephesians chapter 2, where we learn about how dead humanity is. You can look at something as simple as Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. See, evangelism begins with the personality of God and it runs right into the problem of humanity. All of humanity was created in the image and likeness of God and all of humanity has been warped by sin. We're equal parts beauty and tragedy. And the moment each one of us come to terms with that about ourselves and the world that we live in, the better off we are. 
Because you never have an elevated self-view of yourself. Then you say, wow, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm fatally flawed. So we're not either have an elevated self-view or a completely depressing self-view. We're both amazing and a train wreck at the same time. But if you have the personality of God and you have the problem of humanity, then you run right into the provision of Jesus. This is why Jesus came. The provision of Jesus is the third P. Because if God is loving and not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, and if all of humanity has a big problem that we're flawed by sin, then God sends his own son. And that is why Jesus, yes, he was a great teacher. Yes, he was a prophet. But Jesus' main mission was to die on the cross. Because in his death on the cross, he makes provision for all of the failings of humanity. See, we find that all the way back in the time of Moses, God showed his people that when sin is committed, the wages of sin is death, but that God would accept a substitute to receive the punishment that was deserving by another. Scholars call this substitutionary atonement. I know, you gotta love scholars. They go to school for a long time, so they need to make a big word so you know that they've been studying for a long time. That's why they do that. Substitutionary means God will accept the substitute. It's like if you're at school, right, you have a teacher, but all of a sudden there's a substitute teacher. Is that really your teacher? Not always, but they're standing in for the teacher on that day. You got substitute. Good. Atonement, big word, simply means at one mint. Atonement is taking two things that are separated and bringing them together. So all the way back, we have this sacrificial system that says, although you've sinned, God will accept the blood of a lamb or a goat. God will accept a pigeon, all these different things to receive the punishment the death sentence that you deserve. And all of that was put in place to point everyone to God's ultimate provision, which is Jesus himself. When God became flesh and dwelt among people, as it says in John chapter one, and Jesus lived the life that we failed to live. Jesus is the only one who could say, I always do those things which please my father. None of us can say that. But Jesus said, always. That in all ways he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is the one exception to the problem with humanity. Because he was tempted in every way that you and I are, but yet he never failed. Just as, remember Adam, he was in that garden, and he was surrounded by food, but he couldn't take the temptation of not eating one tree. Jesus was fasting for 40 days. He was in the wilderness. He was viciously tempted by Satan. And what did he do? He didn't give in. He didn't stumble. He was in the desert where Adam was in the garden, right? Adam had access to every food he could ever want. Jesus hadn't been eating for 40 days. Jesus fulfilled what Adam couldn't. That's why the apostle Paul calls him the second Adam. That's why Jesus loved to call himself the son of man. Because that word Adam in the Hebrew is the word man. When Jesus calls himself the son of Adam, he's saying, I am human just like you, yet I am not like you. Because although you have failed... I have not. And because of that, Jesus was God's substitute. He died the death that we deserved. That's why the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And then life that I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the provision of Jesus is the good news. The fact that Jesus stood in our place as sinners so that we could be robed in his righteousness. They might say, robed in his righteousness? What do you mean by that? Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says that he made him, so God made Jesus who knew no sin, who never failed, to be sin for us. Jesus, who knew no sin, became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the most amazing reality is that Jesus, who never sinned, became our sin, and us who have never been fully right will be God's righteousness in Christ. That's the provision of Jesus. And that is why when Jesus was on the cross, he said what? It's finished. He knew that on the cross, the reason everything went dark was that God placed upon Jesus all of the punishment that was deserving for all the sins that have ever been committed. And Jesus crucified that sin in his own body. That's why Jesus is so important. That's why Jesus is unlike anybody else. I know people today, and some of you maybe want to say, well, Jesus is just another prophet. No, he's not. Why? Because only one person was sent to take away the sins of the world. Only Jesus. There's all sorts of teachers, but only one Savior. And that is why we believe in the uniqueness and the necessity of Jesus. Because God loves humanity, but humanity has a problem that's been broken by sin. And God's way to fix this is the provision of Jesus. Can I get an amen? That's the good news. That God is amazing, he's perfect, and he's loving. Humans have got serious problems, and God has sent Jesus. Now you say, okay, so that's three Ps. What else we got to talk about? Well, listen, God's story didn't end at the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus, didn't it? No. What happens next? Of course, we got the power of the Holy Spirit, my friends. See, we can't talk about the foundation of evangelism unless we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because all the way through Jesus' ministry, Jesus would say things like, you know what, it's good that I go away. Can you imagine the disciples being like, what? What you talking about, Jesus? It's good that you go away. I mean, you're, you're Jesus. I mean, could you imagine if Jesus was here right now? He's like, listen, I'm going away. It's good that I'm going away. You'd be like, uh, please don't go. Please don't go. Only five of you know 80s music. I'm praying for you guys. But Jesus said, it's good that I go away. Why? Because I'm going to send my helper, the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what it says in Acts chapter 1? When Jesus said to his disciples, listen, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem. I want you to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, even though the disciples walked with Jesus for three years and they saw all this stuff and they beheld his glory, he said, listen, before you guys go do anything, I want you to wait until the power of my spirit comes upon you and then you'll be my witnesses. People all the time, they argue about what the Holy Spirit is all about. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witnesses in the world. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where people try and be the witnesses of Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit, which I'm here to tell you, it's impossible. Because God knows that we need to be indwelt by the very same power 
See, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so that we can shine forth the light of Jesus into the world. That's why at least once a month we have opportunities where we say, have you never received the power of the Holy Spirit? If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we want you to come forward and be prayed for. Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the only way. And people, you know, you get people who, they love Jesus, but they're like, I don't like this baptism of the Holy Spirit stuff. The only people who don't like it are people who never experienced it. It's kind of what someone says, I don't like a Twinkie. I'm like, well, you've never eaten one. <laughs> I had someone say, that, someone just said it recently, those things are gross. I'm like, you're gross. They're <laughs> Twinkie, that's angel's food. Like, God made that stuff. In heaven, there's going to be Twinkies everywhere and no one's going to get sick. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, all of a sudden, now you are his witness. And that word witness in the Greek from Acts chapter 1 verse 6, it literally means that you will be my martyr. Now you're like, what? See, the idea of being a martyr is someone who is a witness. Now we think of a martyr as somebody who gives up their life for the gospel. But guess what? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you give up your life for Jesus. Because when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, our self-styled life gets dissolved in the abundant life of Jesus. See, you don't want to be the person who you would be naturally. You want to be the person who Jesus recreated you to be. And the only way to be the person that Jesus recreated you to be is to be recreated by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is so that we would shine forth the light of Jesus into the world. And Jesus tells us in John 14 and John 16, things that like the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take of what is Jesus and point it out into the world, which is what evangelism is. Evangelism is the running forth of the person and work of Jesus because of the love of God to fix the problem of humanity. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, because God is looking for a people who is full of the Spirit to be able to declare to the world that Jesus is real. So we get the person of God, right? We get the problem of humanity. We get the provision of Jesus. We get the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, the final P for this evening, this is the purpose of the church. This is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to be the witness of who Jesus is into the world. Now, I want you to turn with me to the very last verses of the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And this is what is commonly called the Great Commission. Now, many Bible scholars would tell you that really it's the Great Recommission because God's Great Commission was actually to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where he's, he tells them, now I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to all the world and I want you to leave your father and mother and I want you to go into a place that that was the original sending. But now at the end of Matthew's gospel, after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he says these words, picking up in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, I want you to notice, first, Jesus tells them, all authority has been given to me everywhere. Now, think about that for a second. When it talks about shining the light of Jesus into the world, 
When Jesus says something like, all authority has been given to me, you know what all authority means? You guys are so good. You must have a great pastor. Jesus, right? Amen. We trust his word. So what that means is that Jesus has power and authority over everything, over terrorists and rogue governments, over biological warfare, and over every earthquake and every bit of pestilence, every struggle they have. Jesus has authority over all of it. That's an awesome reality, isn't it? That's who Jesus, he's God. And he has authority over everything, everywhere. That changes the way we live in this world, doesn't it? Because even when something goes totally wrong, we say, Lord, I have no clue what you're up to, but all authority is yours. So God, whatever you're doing, I would like you to fix it, but do what you're doing. And what happens by faith is we learn how to live differently in a crazy world because all authority has been given to Jesus. Even behind what seems to make no sense, the authority of Jesus is at play. So it begins with all authority. And then we get these marching orders. Notice, there are four main verbs here in verses 19 and the first half of 20. Notice it says, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations. That's the second one. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. So you have going, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Now, scholars, and if you study the Greek language, if I know all that you do, you're all reading your Bible in the Greek New Testament. What you will find is that one of these verbs is an imperative, which is, it's a, it's a statement of command, and then three of these other verbs are what they would call subordinate clauses, which the one imperative is the most important, and these three things, they undergird that. So what do you think the imperative is? Go, right? Wrong. But we all, listen, we would all say go because it's the first one. And we don't really know what imperatives and subordinate clauses are anyway, so the first one we'll take, right? That's what everyone, I do the same thing. I'm not knocking you. That's just the way we are. We don't really know, so we say go. It's not. You you know what the the imperative is? Make disciples. So what it it means is all authority has been given to Jesus so that you and I make disciples, and we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. Jesus is You've probably had that moment when you just didn't know what to say and you wished you had someone in your ear giving you direction. Well, you may not have had an earpiece with a partner on the other end, but as Pastor Daniel explained today, you do have the Holy Spirit to help you move through every situation. You learn that the Spirit's job is to spread the glory of God, and as you share God's love with others, the Spirit will give the direction you need. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D, 
to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you. So don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel invites you to investigate God's purpose for the church as it relates to evangelism. You'll learn that God desires that all believers share God's loving rescue plan with the people around them. Pastor Daniel will remind you that knowing that God is in control of all situations will help you be bold as you reach out to others in love. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Gift. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.